Hi friends, I'm Isaac, the children's pastor at Trevecca Community Church, and we are so glad you are joining us today to discover what God has to say for us. Each week we'll be streaming our service live from the sanctuary just for you. Come along with us as we discover who God is and what God has to say for us. Amen. Well, uh, Jan Harvey's going to come and read, read our scripture passage for us this morning. I just want to let you know of one, one special item for today. Uh, Pastor Shauna and Pastor Tim are away for her grandfather's funeral in California. But we have a special privilege today to hear from Matt Durham. Matt Durham is a district licensed minister in the Church of the Nazarene on the Mid-South District, and you've seen him running sound, you've seen him running small groups, and trying to recruit you for everything uh, part of this church life. We're so grateful for Matt, we're excited to hear from you, buddy. Amen. Jim. Genesis 32, 22 through 32. But during the night, he got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He got them safely across the brook along with all his possessions. But Jacob stayed behind by himself, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. The man said, let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. The man said, what's your name? He answered, Jacob. The man said, but no longer, your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel, which means God wrestler. You've wrestled with God, and you've come through. Jacob asked, and what's your name? The man said, why do you want to know my name? And then, right then and there, he blessed him. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face and lived to tell the story. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Hi. So uh, like Jordan said, my name is Matt Durham. Uh, I am one of the myriad of pastors here, uh, <laughs> district licensed ministers, uh, and extremely excited to you to be not only in the Word of God this morning, but also in Genesis 32, one of my oddly favorite places. Uh, maybe just because I like wrestling? I don't know. We'll find out later. Um, Currently, I'm 31, um, but about when I was about half this age, right, 15-ish, freshman in high school, maybe a sophomore, I was obsessed with marching bands. Um, can I get an amen? Anybody? There it is, Jordan, only Jordan. Um, yeah, so a little backstory. Uh, in high school, I was, I don't know, uh, six foot. That's the same I am now. 200 pounds, deadlifted in the 400s, and played the oboe. Uh, it didn't fit, right? I, like, I was contradictory by nature. It, at the time, I, I, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have any cares to know Jesus, by the way. And uh, no one else was trying to teach me otherwise. 
so I poured all of my energy into my friends uh, and specifically music. Like this was all I knew. And by this is all I knew, I was the uh, band captain on the marching field as well as the band's board's president at the same time. This was my life, y'all. And if you're not laughing, it's okay. You feel pity for me. It's fine. I still had a 400-pound deadlift. It's cool. Um, even to this day, I still have this little soft spot in my heart for DCI, DCI cores, right? For those who don't know what that is, which is the majority of you, because I don't see Doug Farley, um, <laughs> those are the professionals. Yeah, I still do that. I still go to these things every single year because my heart melts for these musical experiences that you're able to show up to and hear and feel. I'm still six foot, still, uh, well, slightly over 200 pounds now. Um, <laughs> still have a pretty decent deadlift. And uh, to answer Doug Farley and Nathan Hyde's burning question, wherever you are, I will never touch an oboe again, <laughs> ever. This weird image that I had uh, kind of brings me close to these two characters in the story today. In Genesis 32, we really have these two oppositional characters, and some of you may think that that oppositional character I'm talking about is God. It's not. It's Jacob, who we hear, our titular character, and Esau, his brother. So to understand really where I'm at, um, I'm going to do the fastest of flybys, uh, so I hope you've got your theological seatbelts on, through Genesis, um, and to kind of tell you why they're kind of juxtaposed. But really what I need you to hear is that Jacob, Jacob, his whole life was characterized by his name, his name Jacob. So starting all the way back in uh, chapter, we'll start in 25, not one, that's a little too much. We find the two lines of Abraham. If we remember, Abraham was once Abram, and he had a wife named Sarai, right? They were barren. They couldn't have children. And so God comes down, and he chooses them, and he gives them this promise, this covenant. He says, hey, you guys are cool. We're going to be friends. By the way, you're going to have kids. And Abraham's like, we're barren. We're really old, so that's not going to happen. God says, watch me, right? And then they have two children, God makes this covenant with them and says, I'm going to multiply you to more children than the stars can imagine. And I'm going to keep you safe. And they have two children. One, uh, Ishmael with Hagar. And then the second, Isaac with Sarah, right? We get these renamings. Abraham becomes, Abram, excuse me, becomes Abraham and Sarah. Sarai becomes Sarah. Isaac is the one who God is going to pass this promise to, this covenant that he came down and made with Abraham. He's going to pass that promise through them. And he says, Isaac, hey, you're my guy. So Isaac, when he was 40, he married a woman named Rebekah. And they have twins. That is Jacob and Esau. Esau being the older of the two. This pregnancy was difficult. Anybody? No? Okay. This pregnancy was difficult. All pregnancies are difficult. That's the joke. Um, but this particular one, there was some rumblies in the belly, right? Those two were already going after each other. God comes down and says, hey, look, Rebecca, you got two nations in your belly. You got two nations within you, and the older will serve the younger. This is the opposite of how most things worked in this particular economy. They were weird. So we already see this kind of upside-downness to their relationship, this strange contestants to their relationship. They're already fighting each other. During birth, Esau was the first. He comes out first, and he is a hairy baby. So they name him Esau, which literally means 
Harry. It's a complicated world, y'all. The second is Jacob, and Jacob comes out clinging to the heel of Esau, like, no, me first, right? And so they name him Jacob, which means heel grabber. Now, I don't know who you think got the better name, um, but heel grabber is a phrase that specifically means cheater or trickster or, well, not a good name. That's kind of what we're going after, right? It means you're kind of set up to fail. I'm going to call you thief for the rest of your life and see what happens. The phrase is not that great. And if you remember, Jacob lived his life by his name. So over the next few decades, Jacob decided to uh, be Jacob. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. He offered him some food while he was about to die. Esau comes back and he's like, I'm, I'm dying, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. And he's going to them and Jacob says, hey, I'll give you some food but I want your inheritance. And Esau says, I don't care, I just want some food. Tricks him out of his birthright. Then he tricks him out of his blessing. He dresses up like Esau. He puts his fur on his hands. His uh, mother helps him a little bit with this particular trickery. Uh, and he puts his brother's clothes on and he brings this meal to his now blind father, Isaac. And he says, bless me. Isaac's confused, but he does the blessing anyways. And now Isaac blesses Jacob, which should have gone to Esau, so this, this, to paint this in a reality, this is like stealing someone's inheritance and the keys to their kingdom all at the same time. This is taking the power and authority that should have landed on Esau, and he goes, nope, this is mine. I'm Jacob. This is Jacob leveraging his way to success. This is Jacob living his name. This is Jacob using all the power and authority that Jacob has to be Jacob and to win. Because he wants to be Jacob. Uh, Esau gets mad. Understandably. And he, he gets really mad. So in chapter 27, verse 41, Esau says, The days of mourning for my father are near. Isaac's going to die. Um, and then I'm going to kill Jacob. That's, that's the exact translation. It's nothing different. Right? So Hearing this, uh, Jacob's mother is like, okay, before this turns into another episode of How to Get Away with Murder, I'm going to go over to Isaac and I'm going to say, hey, we really need to send Jacob away to the land of Laban. Laban is Rebekah's brother, and there he is going to find a wife, if only, right? Sends him away, so now Esau no longer has access to his brother to kill him. Pretty simple equation. No longer has access to kill him yet. So on Jacob's journey, he has this dream. He finds this place, uh, and he has this dream of this weird stairway with angels going up and down it and God at the bottom, and he's Led Zeppelin fans. Cool. Um, and he sees this image, and he, he has this kind of conversation with God, and God says, hey, um, I'm going to pass the covenant through you. And Jacob says, Sweet. And he wakes up and he goes, okay, cool. God's going to pass this covenant with me. And so he starts making this promise to God. And he says, hey, God, if you bless me, if you keep me safe, if you get me back through this journey, let me find a wife, yeah. But also get me back to my homeland, my father's place, so that I can take what's mine. So I can get the power and the authority and all this stuff. Get me back there and you can be my God too. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, will then become the God of Jacob. You, you follow this follow this thing and it'll work out. 
He makes this promise, um, and he puts these qualifications on this covenant. He puts, like, like he wants to be in control. And then Jacob spends uh, some 20-some-odd years, which is far too long, by the way, in the land of Laban. He gets there, and he sees this, as soon as he gets there, he sees this beautiful woman named Rachel, right? And... Um, for any kids in the room, this is not how you uh, court girls. But he walks over to a well, and he grabs this giant stone that's supposed to be there to keep the sheep from being watered, and he just lifts it off by himself. It's supposed to take four people, and he's like, no, nah, I got this. And he pulls it off, and he's just like, look at me, Rachel, how cool am I? You know, it's just not working out. But he makes this deal with, his, with Laban and says, look, I will work for you for seven years if you allow me to marry her. And Laban's like, cool, good plan. So he works for the seven years problem um, is that Rachel has an older sister named Leah. Leah, uh, in this particular culture, has to be married off first. And so Laban has this bright idea to trick Jacob. I will not tell you this particular part of the story. Go read it. It's dramatic. Um, And so he tricks Jacob into marrying Leah first. Jacob figures this out, obviously. I hope so. Um, and, And then is rightfully mad. I would be too. And so he's like, dang you, Laban, how dare you? Like, let's do this other thing. He goes, hey, work for me for another seven years. You can have Rachel too. So he does seven years, and then he has a bunch of kids. And 21 years later, Jacob feels not only tricked, but he feels like he's wasted his life. And he's like, look, I'm done with this. I'm getting out of here. And as he's leaving Laban, trying to go back to his father's land to get what's his, right, he makes this deal with Laban and tricks him living back up to his name, he tricks him in out of half of his resources. Jacob says, no, 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 I'm getting what's mine. I'm going to be on top. I'm going to be in control. I'm going to win this exchange. I'm going to use my name to get there. Chapters 29 through 31, which is what we just went through, are basically a soap opera. They're fun. They're easy to read. I encourage you to do so. There's a lot of good stuff in there. But coming into chapter 32, we find Jacob now having left Laban, now with all these resources, now with two wives and 11 kids. Why? Um, And he's going back to his father's land with this massive amount of resources that he's accumulated, stolen, from Laban. And he's trying to get back to his homeland so that he can be the one in charge. However, he knows that Esau is still there. And so he sends these messengers out in front of him. He sends some resources out in front of him. He says, maybe we'll butter up Esau a little bit, right? We'll send some gifts. We'll send some people. And maybe he's forgotten. Maybe if I just put some stuff in front of him, he's let it go. It's been 21 years. Maybe he doesn't know anymore. Esau responds by gathering an army of 400 men and coming after him. He didn't forget. Jacob pulled out all the stops when he heard this, right? So... This is where the beginning of the scripture that we read today comes. He pulls out all these stuff. He puts all these resources and he spreads it out. He staggers them in a line. He puts himself at the end. He puts all his stuff in front of him. And he just says, maybe if I just delay enough, I'll never have to deal with this. Maybe if I just trick my way into this, I'll just never have to deal with this. Maybe if I... Oh, is that still on? Maybe. Maybe if I just... In my control, that... I won't die. Jacob, already having this promise of covenant, lives up to his name. I'm a trickster. It's gotten me this far. Why not 
one more time. Are we able to see a little bit of a parallel between Jacob's life, not necessarily the threat of murder, but how he lives his life and how our modern day's lives play out now? So many times we find our identities in the things that we create. We identify, invest, invest in the things that we believe identify us. See, Jacob leans into this name of trickster and decides that this is how he is going to gain power. This is how he is going to succeed. This is even how he is going to live his covenant out with God by his terms. That same covenant that Abraham had, the same covenant that Isaac had, this is how Jake was going to do it different. He's trying to hold all the authority. He wants to be the one in charge. Uh, For those who were here, on September 24th this last year, I looked up the date, you're welcome, Pastor Shauna preached a sermon called Good Work. It was the beginning of a series, uh, and she talked about work-isms, right? This worship of work and how we identify with our jobs. She broke out a bombshell quote uh, from a man named Derek Thompson that said, our desks were never meant to be our altars. Many of us in our, the late 20s, early 30s group, uh, it was a bad day. There was a lot of conversations that followed that sermon, y'all. We were a little shaken because that is the identities to which the world wants us to live. If we drill that idea down a little bit more, we find that identity, when it terminates, when it ends, when it finds its endpoint, our identity, when it finds its landing zone on anything of this world, that at some point, it fails us. And it leads us to this place where we're not living a full life. Another thing that Shauna said that day, finding identity in things Just things, stuff, things, leads to a general miserableness. What a fun word. It's not hard to see how the world pulls us into this direction. It's not hard to see how our identities are based on these things. Work and music and marching band, right? It's based on our success. But just like Jacob, sometimes we find this identity is our, it's in our flaws too. We identify with the things that we've done wrong. Why should someone love me? I'm a, I'm a cheater. Why should my life be worth anything? I'm an alcoholic. I'm a thief. I'm stupid. I just don't have the capacity to understand what you're saying. I'm an orphan. I, why would anybody care about me? I don't even have a family. I'm addicted, I'm cheap, I'm a cheater, I'm a CEO, I'm good, I'm bad, I'm Democratic, I'm Republican, I'm whatever. Some label, we attach ourselves to that and find our worth in it. And ultimately, it breaks down, it falls apart. If we try to move outside of that cycle too, we then repeat it. We try to lean on our own efforts to, man, if I could just in this new year lose a couple pounds. Man, if I can, I'd find worth there. Man, in this new year, if I could just make some more money, I would find some worth there. Man, in this whatever, I'd find some worth there. And I, I have to tell you, 
I'm guilty too. I feel these things. That's why I was also disturbed by that sermon on the September 24th, 2023. It's a small lie, right? It is a small lie that we believe, but it's got such great power over us. We want authority over our own lives, and by doing so, we lean into our own names, our titles, our labels, and we find it lacking. If we put our worth into the labels and the t- labels, not labels, labels and the titles that we have created of our own lives, it will fail us. This is the human condition. We are not permanent. We are not. It's who we are. Jacob was alone near the river, right? He was stressed just a little bit. He had his brother coming after him to kill him, right? And he still thinks that this is what's going to happen. This is the plans that are laid before him, and he's doing everything he can to prevent it. In his mind, he will wake up tomorrow, and this will be the last day he sees his brother. And during the night, he wrestles. Um, Scripture tells us, this is such a weird passage, y'all. Scripture tells us that this man wrestled with Jacob till daybreak. And during the night, neither side had won uh, when the time that day come. So the man uh, decides to just like punch him in the hip, right, and knock it out of socket. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen a dislocated hip. Bad news tennis shoes, gal. It, it, it is not I'm limping. This is I don't know how to walk anymore type of hurt. Um, And so he does this to win, but Jacob's not letting go. Jacob's like, no, no, no. So he sees this daybreak, and the man's like, look, let me go. And Jacob's like, I'll let you go if you bless me. He's trying to receive that authority again. He's trying to find that power. He's like, look, I know I didn't win, but I also know you didn't win. So bless me. Let me be the victor here. Let's figure this out. The man... um, this unnamed man, kind of knows this trick. He's prepared. And so he looks at Jacob and he says, what's your name? My name is Jacob. See, names in this particular era of humanity, and even today, hold power. They hold authority. Um, For a prime example, anyone that uh, has kids, you named them. Uh, you're responsible for them, whether you want to be or not. And ultimately, you have power over them. Um, has anybody heard your full name being screamed from the other side of the house before? Ooh, scary, y'all. I'm just saying. Like, you know that that's, it's time. Consequences are coming. You're in trouble. Something went wrong. You don't even know what you did wrong, but you know you're wrong, right? Names hold authority. If I name you, I have authority over you. So the man asks Jacob, he says, hey, what's your name? And the man, Jacob, replies, my name is Jacob. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not your name. Your name is Israel. I have the authority over you. I'm naming you. Your name is now wrestles with God, which has a slightly better ring to it than heel grabber. I don't, you know, whatever. So Jacob's renamed. He is no longer a cheater. He is no longer a trickster. He is 
Israel. He is chosen. He is uh, the line through which this covenant is going to pass through. And it's not going to be the covenant of Jacob. It's going to be the covenant of God. It is not going to happen under the stipulations of Jacob's control. It is going to happen under the authority by which he's been named, not the authority of his name. If we go back to marching band, stay with me. I was a little further along in high school at this point, uh, more like a junior, senior in high school. Um, And at this point, I had met God. My life was radically spun in a different direction. Eric Smith was there. It was a fun time. But still deeply, deeply, y'all, into music. I was actually on my way to, uh, towards the end of my senior year, I was on the way to an audition at Auburn uh, University, War Eagle, for a music scholarship. I was going down there to audition to play an instrument to see if they would give me a bunch of money so that I could go to this college to pursue what I had prescribed my life to. I wanted to be a music educator um, and eventually be a professor in music. This was at Durham, circa 2009. Eventually, um, eventually, youth group caught up to me, right? We were having this open mic night uh, at the end of that year. It was about a week before that particular audition. Um, open mic nights at a youth group, y'all, stupid idea. Don't do it. I don't know who came up with that idea. But the youth pastor at the time approached me, and he's like, hey, I want you to kind of like say two words or something like that, and then pray, and then we'll end with you. Like, you'll be the, the designated hitter. And I'm like, I've never done this in my life. But I'm stupid and young and not shy. Um, and so I'm like, sure. Uh, and so I get there. Um, I said who knows what I couldn't tell you I think I dumped a bucket of water on a kid's head or something uh prayed for everybody and then we did the thing and we left um after this there was a man named Vinny Serpico um who looks like his name sounds uh he was about four foot eleven uh larger than me uh and the most Italian man I'd ever met in my life uh this guy talking like this man like I was like bro you're not in Boston we're in Atlanta calm down um and he finds this particular event, he grabs me by the arm and he whirls me around and he goes, look here, Matt, God's going to use you for a lot more than this stupid music crap you've been doing. Good job, pastor. And then he just walks away. That was all he said to me. Half of me thought I had just had a hit put out on me by the mob. Uh, Like I was a little scared. The other half of me, that name loomed over me. Like, pastor? Whoa, step back. Like, you said that wrong. Teacher, maybe. Musician, yes. Professor, aspiring. That's me. And then I went to that audition uh, very shortly afterwards um, and played a piece that I had played for four other auditions and had gotten scholarships with and had poured hundreds of hours into and I knew I could perform. And I got in there and I swear to you, I played maybe six notes before I stopped and I just looked up and I was like, y'all, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to say, I got, I, sorry for wasting your time. And I, and I left. I, I lost this ability, I don't know where it went. Like this was, I, this was my literal waking and breathing life, was doing this thing and then I show up and just can't do it. Not for nerves, I had done this before. 
Not for any of the rest of that. I just couldn't. And then I got in a car, uh, and it was a long drive home as I mourned the loss of some titles that I had clung really hard to. Our identity is not in our titles. It is not in the power that we have. It is not our success. It is not our work. It is not even our ability to keep our families safe and fed. Um, It's kind of sad to say, but those things are fragile. Um, And at some point, will let us down. But here's the good news. And just as Jacob was renamed, so are you, and so am I. As Christians, we believe that we have a Lord, Jesus, who calls us, who wrestles with us, who challenges us, who has paid the price for us so that we are not reliant on the fragile things of this world. Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he was resurrected Here's the point, for you. I'll say it again. Jesus came, he lived, and he died and was resurrected for you. We believe he is Lord, and to him be the glory. If you need another word for the word glory, a little vague in 2023, to him be the power, to him be the authority By the works of Christ, you are called new creation. We sang at least two songs that said that this morning. You are made new in Christ. You, specifically, you who he came and died for, have a new name. And this was given to you while you were even still a sinner, just as it was for Jacob. Jacob, by the way, was still running around trying to be his own power and his own authority. And even after... Jacob is named Israel. He's still an idiot. Period. He doesn't, he doesn't get smart. His, it's not that he became a miracle worker after he received the name. That's not the point. If we read the Old Testament, in its entirety even, what does the nation of Israel do? They mess up a lot. A lot, a lot. More than they got it right, y'all. They mess up a tremendous amount This is good news. We do not draw power and authority from our own lives or anything else. We we are imperfect. That is good news, that we do not draw our own power and our own authority from ourselves. Praise God, because we're not perfect. We're not permanent. We draw our identity from the resurrection power of Christ. Once we see that, It allows us to let go of our own authority. It allows us to let go of our sin. It allows us to worship. Hear me. It's not easy to let go of your name. I don't think it's easy to humble yourself. I don't think it's easy to let God have authority. But I must tell you, That in that place, in letting go, is where there is peace, is where there is love, and that's where good work and good life are lived. It is in new creation. 
And that means you do not have to maintain these titles or labels. It means those titles and labels are not your worth. It doesn't mean that you get to be flippant. It's not an excuse to let your responsibilities go. It doesn't mean that you get to uh, stop feeding and keeping your family safe, just to be clear. What it does mean is that our worth is not measured by our ability to perform. You are free to let your identity go because the creator of the universe is right on the other side with open arms. The morning after Jacob, uh, he does this whole wrestling match. No one wins. He doesn't get a blessing. Actually, he does get a blessing. He gets a new name, excuse me. He doesn't get the authority. Uh, Jacob still meets Esau. He still sees him. Just as he thought he would. Chapter 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. Threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And he wept. It's hard for me not to see the parallels between the story and the prodigal son. A son, a brother, who returns home. And instead of finding wrath, finds embrace and finds love. Those same arms are ready to welcome us. To welcome us to a kingdom regardless of what we've called ourselves. Regardless of whatever label you've put on yourself or whatever title you think you prescribe to. Regardless of our struggle. In the embrace of Christ, we find peace and love. So why is this what we're talking about on December 31st, 2023? As we look into a new year, uh, it comes with resolutions. It comes with wanting to do more. It comes with wanting to save money, to lose a little weight, maybe hit the gym a little bit. It comes with wanting to start families. It comes with making plans and plans and plans. And I have to tell you, those things are good and right. Those things are great. Don't stop doing those. But on September 24th, 2023, Shauna decided to come up here and define good um, (laughs) as ordered towards God's life-giving purposes. Ordered towards God's life-giving purposes. That is our working definition of good. And work are the tasks and the practices and the deeds that make up a life. So it is not specifically your profession, but it's all the things you do. It's being a dad, it's being a mom, it's being a boyfriend, a girlfriend, it's being a a, a CEO. It's whatever work you decide to do and prescribe yourself. It is all those things all at the same time. It is your life. So doing good work is positioning our lives, orienting our lives in a way that allows us to point authority to God instead of ourselves. That when we do the doing, that doing is for God's life-giving purposes. And in this work, we find rest, we find peace, we find fulfillment, we find life. I have not been able to get that thought out of my head. Just haven't. I haven't been able to move past the fact that I have titles. That I, I haven't been able to move past uh, that I have a job. That I have to be moving, that I have to keep working, that I have responsibilities and I have to do all these things. But I also 
have to do the work that orients my identity. It orients the root of me. It orients my core to being new creation. To not let those titles consume my identity. To not let my New Year's resolutions or whatever it may be, be my identity. That my identity is not found in this world, but it is found in Christ. Which is a simple sentence and a simple idea and a really hard task. But moving into a new year, and we have, I don't have a watch on, but 12 and a half hours. You're welcome. Instead of finding one more New Year's resolution, um, I would suggest that we let go of the grind, that we try to find one way that we can use as a practice to reposition our identities towards new creation. We take a moment to commit ourselves, to commit our year, our time, our life, our posture to discipleship, to becoming disciples of Christ, to allowing God to speak to us in ways that challenges us, that wrestles with us, that changes us, and that allows the power to which we have come from him and not our own very fragile doings. Um, As a reminder, this can be true if you've run this race for 70 years or seven minutes, y'all. It is never a bad time to deepen our worship. It is never a bad time to remember that you are new creation, to re-examine what titles you've brought on and to say, nope, those aren't me. I'm a child of God. I am new creation. It's not a bad time to do that. The good part is that you don't have to do it alone. Starting next week, um, Shauna is going to be moving into another series on the six missional practices. We've been talking about these for a long time. We're going over again. This is the best way that we have right at our fingertips to do exactly these things. To understand how God is our identity. How he has renamed us. How Christ is the core of us. And because of those things, as a community these six things, these are how we practice that identity. This is how we practice that power and authority in here, here and now. Those six things. Those practices. This is how we act it out. If you want more information on those practices, show up next week. You can also go to our website or talk to a pastor. Beyond that, If you don't know this name, if you don't know what new creation means, if you don't know Jesus, now's the time. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Jamin's going to come and pray for us, and then after that, we're going to communion. This is how we end every week, right? This place that is the body and blood of Christ that reminds us that we are made new. Y'all, if you know Jesus, come and see, be reminded. Remember that you are a new creation. Remember the power to which you live by. Remember the authority that you are under. And if you don't yet know Jesus, come and see that you are worth it, that you're loved, 
that this is where peace and grace is. This is where a full life is. This is where good is. And if you don't believe us, come and find out. Jamin, you pray for us. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always join us in person in our sanctuary, 1030 on Sunday mornings, live on our YouTube channel or on our sermon podcast. If you'd like to give, you can do so at trevecca.church give. All of our other resources can be found on our website. However you choose to engage, however you choose to join us, we are grateful for you and you are loved.